0: If we haven't met before, my name's Riley, and uh, can we thank the team for leading us this morning? You can grab a seat. Man, I'm uh, I'm hungry to uh, to encounter the presence of God this morning. He is here. He wants to speak to us, and he wants to move. And I'm excited for it. Uh, I think I think we're all a little bit hungry this morning. And my my determination for us, for me, for us is that we wouldn't leave. Uh, this room, the same as when we walked in, that we would leave closer to God, empowered and uh, strengthened in our faith. And so we're going to get into the word in a moment. And we're in a series at the moment called uh, Unbreakable. It's the idea of having unbreakable faith. And we've been following the story of David and his life. David, King David in the Old Testament, was a man of incredible faith um, and a lot of challenges, a lot of triumphs and uh had an amazing life of faith, and so we've, we've been following that. And so we're going we're gonna to wrap up the series today of Unbreakable Faith, and it is, uh, it, is, it is probably the heavier of topics, it's probably a little bit deeper than uh, you might have been ready for coming in, but I think there is a, an amazing lesson and challenge to be learned in this part of David's story. So I'm excited to open it up uh, and, and look at it with you all, and so I'm just going to pray as we get started. God, as we open up your word this morning, would you speak to us? Would you challenge us? Would you you pour out your love and your grace on us as we open up your word? God, speak to us. And uh, Lord, Holy Spirit, would it be you speaking to every one of our hearts? In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I did something this week that was both... Traumatic and a little bit freeing. Um, It was. It was. was, I had a moment, and it was. It was a bit of an experience for myself. I I did something, and in this moment, I I felt sick. Uh, I felt uh, embarrassed. I cringed. It was. It was a moment that uh, I would have rather not lived through, um, but I had to, and I did it. Uh, And it wasn't. It wasn't fun. It wasn't a fun moment. And what I did is I went through my old Facebook history um, from 10 and 11 years ago. And can I just start with saying, parents, don't let your kids have Facebook if they're 15. (laughs) Get it when you're 25, keep it till you're 26, realise that it's not that good and delete it, because it's not good. I went through my old Facebook history as a teenager, and it was the most cringy, most awkward, just... Oh, I, f- I genuinely felt sick. Like, I was reading it, I was like, nobody can ever see this, ever. So I went through, I deleted from 2009 to 2013. I was like, nobody's going to get to it. But we all know when you delete something on the internet, it's gone forever. <laughs> it's not gone forever. And so I, I, deleted, I deleted it, and it was one of those moments. I looked back, and I was like, this is like a fail of my life this is just like an epic fail i there was moments on there that i wrote i wrote a status and it was the dumbest thing ever and my mom commented on it and i'm like looking back on it going oh my goodness oh it was it was a bad sign this is a fail and so what it what it actually did is it got me thinking about other moments in my life of kind of dumb failures and and as a teenager i had a lot of them um, and I'm glad that they, well, they're not too cat- catastrophic failures, but I, I want to keep it that way. There were some, some embarrassing moments, and, but I was like, man, that was a fail, and there's, there's been some moments in my life where, where I've failed, and, and it really got me thinking on this idea and topic of failure, and the reality is uh, we are all going to fail at something at some point in our life, some big failures, some small failures, some moral failures, but some a little less deep. But understanding our humanity is understanding that we are going to fail at times. For me, my biggest fear in life is fail, failing. And that's like in the small stuff. It's um, just any any area of failing. I don't like losing because I, I see it as failing. Um, I don't like failing. They say you need to fail to grow. So I'm apparently not growing. No, <laughs> I, I got to force myself to fail. And so, uh, but I, 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 don't, I'm, I'm, I don't like it. I don't like it. And It it raised raised this question in me, how should we respond to failure in our life? We're all going to fail, varying degrees, but how should we actually respond to the moments of failure in our life? And I think to to understand and unpack that question, we've got to first understand the process to failure. Failure doesn't just happen. Failure, there is a natural process to Failure. So we're going to continue in David's story and look at his most epic failure ever. This is the dumbest thing that he did in his life, um, and you might already be going to the story. It's, it's the story of David and Bathsheba, and so we're going to read from Second Samuel, the start of this story, as we look at the process of failure. It said, "In the springtime, in the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war." David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. David, why'd you remain there? One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent a messenger to go get her. She came to him and he slept with her. And then she went back home and the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. David, David, David. This is not a good moment in David's life. When we look at the process of failure, the process of failure starts with positioning. See, David found himself in the wrong place. It said there that that normally the kings would go off to war. He was meant to be off at war, but he was in the wrong place. He was back in Jerusalem. He shouldn't have been there. He was up on the roof. Some people thought he should have been in bed with one of his wives at this point, but he's he's found himself, his position has gone out onto the roof. And what David's position did is it opened up room for his potential for failure. So what we need to understand is, uh, stand that our positioning has a massive role to play in our potential to failure the places and spaces that we find ourselves in that no not necessarily that bad it's not necessarily that bad that is in Jerusalem and on the roof but we've got to understand that our positioning actually opens up greater room for potential to failure we find ourselves in we uh, places that we would have Positions that would have greater room for failure are things like, you know, we could be doing our finances on our own or finances for our business, but we do it solely on our own. It doesn't mean that you're going to fail in that space, but that space then has a greater potential for failure because there's nobody around. It's got a high potential. Working with somebody one-on-one who's not your spouse off at a job consistently that doesn't mean something bad is going to happen, but what it does is it opens up room for potential to failure. Conversations that we have with people and the spaces and communities that we put ourselves in can change our thoughts and our values, and that position that we find ourselves in increases our potential for failure. Does that make sense? And the things in our life that hold, uh, that have a greater potential for failure are the ones that we don't know, think about or address. When we don't address the things in our life that have potential for failure, they have greater potential for failure. So what we need to do is we need to assess the positions in our life that we find ourselves in that have a greater potential for failure and safeguard ourselves. For me, my job is working with people. Working with people is like my whole job. And so working with people means a greater potential for failure. It doesn't mean a higher likelihood, but a greater potential for failure. So what I do is I've got to put safeguards in place to make sure that I can keep myself and others safe always to minimise the potential for failure by the positions that I find myself in. That's what I need to do in our job. What we need to do is assess those positions in our life. Now for David's story, it, it really should have ended like this. He should have been, he was on the roof, he was walking around, his position wasn't great and he's up on the roof and he, he, sees, he sees a naked lady. And he thinks, he might have been like, oh, naked lady. I should go inside. <laughs> Mate, no, David, inside, like inside. That's how it should have gone, but it didn't. And so the potential, uh, so the process of failure continued. And so what he did, he asked, he asked about it. He's like, so who's that lady out there? And what we've got to understand is that failure is not a moment in our life. Failure is a series of moments leading up to one big moment. He asks about her. He had a lot of chances and opportunities to stop. First thing he does is he's up on the roof and he looks at her. And he's like, that should be the moment that he goes inside. He doesn't. He asks about it. All right, he's pushed it again. David shouldn't have done that, but he keeps going. And then he gets her to come over and then he sleeps with her. He kind of, moment after moment, he goes and he continues um, in his failure. there are moments of failure leading to a bigger moment of failure. Now, I can kind of imagine what might have been going on in David's head in this moment, what he might have been thinking to himself. And now, I wouldn't at all agree with what he, what he could have been thinking, but I can imagine a little bit what he might have been thinking, the, the, the process in his mind that got him to this through these moments and to the moment of the biggest failure that he had. He would have been up on the roof, and he's looking out, and he sees, an, he sees a lady, and he sees a lady bathing, and he, and he thinks to himself, oh, you know what, it's not that, it's not that bad to look. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm just, I'm just looking. It's, it's fine. I, I'm the king. I've got to look over at all my, all my subjects. It's fine. It's not that bad. But his glance turned into a gaze, And so he's kind of thinking to himself, no, it's not that bad. I'm just looking. I'm just looking. And then... I can imagine he doesn't even look away, and he asks about her. He's like, oh, can somebody, can somebody tell me who this is? Now, he's thinking, it's not that bad. I, she's, she's one of my subjects. I just need to know who she is. Like, I just need to know well, what's her name. Like, tell me what's her name. I, it's not that bad. I'm the king. I need to know about everyone, particularly this person right now. He's thinking to himself, you know, I'm thinking it through. So he finds out about her, and he's like, oh, I think I need to meet this girl. I just think I want to have a conversation. It's uh, we're just talking. It's fine. It's not that bad. I need a, I need to get to know about her. And so she comes over. And so then she's there. And he, and he's thinking to himself. Mm, doesn't I'm the king. I deserve this. I've worked hard to make this kingdom safe. I've worked. I've fought for this land. I, I've earned this. I've I deserve this. And he's thinking to himself. Man. I, I, nobody's going to know. I'm the king. If if anybody finds out, I'll probably just kill him. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. It's it's okay. And then he sees with and it he makes a catastrophic failure and he has a series of moments leading to a catastrophic failure. But what what we see when we look at this we might think David, you are an idiot. That is so dumb. Why did you, you have so many moments to stop? But what David kind of displays in his process of moments to this failure is this human condition that we have called justification. Every one of those moments could have in some way to himself been justified. Oh, it's not that bad. I just want to hang out with her. I'll play Scrabble. We'll see what happens. <laughs> he just wants to hang out with her. He displays that this common condition of justification. And failure at some point is always justified. I'm doing my tax return. And it's like, oh, I don't need to declare that. I've earned, I've earned my money. Like this is my money, I've earned it. You know, I don't need to declare that. Or oh, you know, we just we just texting. We just text. It's not it's not my wife. But we're just texting. It's it's fine. We're, we're just friends. It's okay. Or you know what's what's another what's another day away at work from the family. No, it's fine. It's just another day. I it's 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 justified because you know I'm earning money to feed the family. It's just another day away. It's just another phone call. This is a really important phone call at the dinner table. It's justified. It's It's in our mind we justify it. But the reality is, simply put, if we ever need to justify our actions, they're not right. If we need to justify what we're doing, it's not right. So are there areas in our life today that we're justifying our actions? Because if we're justifying our actions, it's probably time to stop. We can stop these moments before the moments before they happen. We just got to address and assess, understand our position and understand the moments leading up to failure. Now, it might not be as big as David's failure, but nevertheless, there are moments leading to failure, both big and both small. So David's David's messed up. He's messed up big and it doesn't stop there. He made a baby. Come on, David. He made a baby. And so he has two choices in this moment. He could choose to fess up or choose to cover up. Anybody heard the saying, die with the lie? David was prepared to die with the lie. And so he's like, it's time to cover this thing up. I'm king. I'm smart. I'm going I'm to sort, sort this out. So what he does is he gets Uriah, her husband, over to his house, out from the war. He, he brings him back and he's like, hey, has a conversation about the war. David doesn't really care about the conversation of the war. And then he says, all right, you go home, spend some time with your wife. Go go hang out. And he's trying to think, all right, if I can get her, him to go spend time with his wife, he's going to think it's the baby's head. Job done, you know, the perfect crime. That's what he's thinking, but it's not. And so Uriah, who is of character, uh, David thinks he's going to be able to trick him because he's actually a Hittite, he's not an Israelite. And David thinks he's going to be able to trick him. He can't. And so David finds out that what Uriah does is instead of going home, he goes and sleeps with the other servants in David's, outside, just outside David's palace. And so David asked him, Uriah, why did you do this? And so we're going to read Uriah's response. Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in the tents. And my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house, eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Uriah's got this like amazing character when David's at the worst of his character level. And so what David tries to do is like, all right, I'm going to try and soften up this guy's character. He gets him drunk and thinks, all right, surely he's drunk, he's going to go home to his wife. Doesn't, still has the character and stays. And so David continues his cover-up, gives him a letter, basically a murder letter for Uriah, gives it to Uriah to take to Joab to be killed out on the battlefield. Like, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty low move. But David's thinking, I just have to cover this up at all costs. When we cover up our failure, what we need to un- understand is that it affects more people than we realise. It affects, it affects far more than just us or the person uh, that we've failed. It affected Bathsheba. She's at home going, oh my goodness, what has happened? It affects Joab, the one who has to essentially kill his soldier on the, on the battlefield. other affects Uriah, it affects the people that died with Uriah, it affects so many more people than what uh, happened, all because of a cover up. When we fail, we feel like, oh my goodness, all I, I've just got to make this go away. I've got to cover it up so that nobody will know. I deleted all my Facebook stuff because I didn't want anyone to see it. But if it turns up again, I'm going to cry. Doesn't make it didn't happen. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It happened, and so we can't change what's been done. Rick Warren had a, has a quote in regards to Bill Clinton's affair. He said, "People will forgive a stuff-up, but they won't forgive. Uh, for, yeah, they'll forgive a stuff-up, but they won't forgive a cover-up." Bill Clinton actually ended up losing his seat in office, not because of what he did, but because he tried to cover it up, because of things that he did to cover it up. Covering it up becomes a reaction in us in our process to failure. We fail and we think, I've just got to try and make this go away, but it never changes what we've done. So we can see here, there's a process to failure. And we might be we might have had moments just now that's come into our mind that we're in the middle of that process of failure. There's some moments before the moments and, and they might seem harmless and they might not seem uh, that bad, but we actually have an opportunity in this process of failure to stop, to go, know oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to change my trajectory. I'm going to change my positioning. I'm going to change where I'm at. But if it's too late and we've had failure in our life, which I'm sure a lot of us We've failed, and maybe not to this degree, but failure has happened in our life. What should our response to that failure be? Well, the good thing is David did something incredibly stupid, but he's got a good reaction to it, so we're going to look at that. So what is the response to failure? After this had happened, at least, we don't have an exact time, but at least nine months later, because the child's born now, uh, Nathan, the prophet, comes up to David and he's like, David, you, I know what you did. I know exactly what you did. God's not happy with you and there's some punishments to, to, to take for what you've done. It's not okay what you did um, and you're in trouble. And so David gets called out by Nathan and Nathan rebukes him. And so in this process as that's happening, David responds like this in 2 Samuel 12 It says, David then said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. This is a powerful moment because David has finally fessed up to what he's done. He's finally acknowledged what he's done. He thought, I'm going to continue to try and cover this up. I'm going to cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. He could have kept trying to cover it up. He could have killed Nathan if he wanted to. But he knew what he'd done, he had done, and that he he needed to fess up before Nathan and before God. So the response to failure that we need to have is we just got to own it and we got to fess up. we got to acknowledge what we've done. Sometimes when we fail, we, we put it to the back of our mind like it never happened and we just try to, try to go about and just, you know, it, it's never happened. If I don't think about it, it it's gone. If I don't, I, I had stopped thinking about my Facebook posts until they popped up again. We don't think about them, but we got to acknowledge them and fess up to the things. The first step to our response to failure is fessing up, owning it. And then the next part to it, we see here: Nathan tells David, he says, "David, the son that you had with Bathsheba, you're gonna you're gonna lose your son. You're not gonna have uh, you're not gonna have that son anymore. You're gonna lose him." And so. Uh, sadly, David, he tries fasting and praying and he, he tries in that moment to, to make that not happen. But he loses his son. And what David does, which we're going to read again in a moment, is David actually owns his mistakes. He owns his consequences. The idea of sin, all sin is sin. You, you kind of sin is sin. Is the, we've all heard that saying before, sin is sin. And the, the punishment for sin is death. Yes, sin, the punishment for sin is death, but not all, the, not all consequences for sin are the same. And so what David had to do is he had to own what he did and then he had to take the consequences. He had to stand up and say, I've messed up and I'm going to take whatever it is that I have to take for what I've done as a consequence. And he does. He does. But then the end of what happens here is the most remarkable part. In verse 20, uh, this is just after he had lost his son. So Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put lotions on and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. He ran to God. His, his faith was what sustained him through his failure, that took him through his failure. He fessed up, he bore the consequences, and his faith took him through his failure. So people might not forgive. Rick Warren's quote is great. People won't forgive a cover-up, and they might forgive a up. they might forgive a mess up, but God forgives all. God forgives all. And so David runs to God in his mistake. He goes to God and his faith takes him through that moment. And, and what happens here is, is amazing. In the end of this chapter, it says, Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba. And he went to her and made love to her. And she gave birth to a son. And they named him Solomon. And the Lord loved him. So David's had this monumental stuff up. He's owned it, he's taken the consequences, and he's run to God. And then he goes, and after all this, makes love to his wife, and they have a baby, and Solomon. And there's a remarkable reality from this point in the story, is that Solomon, that child, that lineage, Solomon took over from David, and then through that lineage, Jesus was born. And it shows us that God can take monumental failure and make something amazing from it. He can take, he can renew and redeem any failure. He doesn't, doesn't breeze over the consequences. There's still consequences, there's still stuff we've got to do. But when we fail, God is able to take what we've done and still do something amazing through it. I think that's pretty powerful. See this, but that never would have happened. Solomon never would have happened. That, everything that came from that, never would have happened if David didn't have the kind of response that he had through his faith. If he had kept covering it up, kept going about, none of it would have happened. So often we think when we've messed up, it's done. I've I've stuffed it. I'm completely done. But we've got to understand that, that God still loves us, still wants us to draw close to him. We can't change what we've done, but we can respond to our failure through our faith. We can keep moving forward in our failures. We can change where we're going. I'm going to invite the team back out. See, David's faith was unbreakable. His faith was unbreakable. And even though he had failed to potentially the worst failure you could fail in, he held on to his faith and God was able to redeem him. That shows us that even today, when we fail we've got to have unbreakable faith in a God who will never leave us or forsake us. So that's our process to failure. We're all going to fail. Varying degrees, but we're all going to fail. But our option is always our response. You might be here and you're like, that sounds good. I've not had kind of big failures in my life and that's great. I hope it stays that way. But what we can do in this point is we can assess and understand and take this learning that there are moments before the moment so we can stop that. We can use this as a lesson to prevent failures in our life. But for some of us, we've failed. We've done bad. We've not done what we wanted to do and we're on the other side of that and we need to respond and act accordingly to our failures. When David went away and he worshipped, he wrote a psalm. And we're going to read this psalm in a moment. And Basically what it does is He acknowledges what he's done. He takes it on board and he opens his heart more and more to God and his faith is shown in this psalm. And so for any of us that are feeling stirred up about failures in our life and it might not look like David's failure, but we've we've all got something. I'm going to read this psalm over us and I want to read it as a prayer of blessing for us that it could be the catalyst and the start for us to process our failure, to respond to our failure. So I might ask you to stand. So we're going to continue to worship and continue to sing of our faithful God. Because in all of this, we've got to remember our God is faithful. I'm going to read this psalm. I invite you to close your eyes. And if you want to receive this, I'm going to read it as it's written. So I just encourage you, if you want to respond to your failure, to echo this in your heart, that it would be a prayer for you to God as a part of responding to failure. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to worship. We're going to run after God, just as David did. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, God, and done what is evil in your sight. Hide your face, God, from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God, this is our prayer. Lord, help us to face our failures, help us to process our failures, help us to respond to them. But God, would your love and your peace infiltrate our hearts as we respond and have faith through failure. Praise you, God.